VoiceTube Studio presents a refreshing, fun, and informative podcast. Come with us to learn English and explore culture. Join Steve and Winnie on Ride the Vibes. Hey everyone, welcome back to Ride the Vibes. This is your host Steve, and this is your host Winnie. And before we start today, I just want to remind you that every episode has a blog, a brother or sister kind of blog, a companion piece that will talk more about the episode. So go to blog.voicetube.com to find the blogs or search the link below, and we'll make sure we put it in there. Mm-hmm, definitely, it it's really going to help you uh, with the content of the podcast because a lot of our listeners. Uh, they come here. They want to learn English, so it would definitely help if you have something to read. Yep, it's always good to read and listen in any language you're studying. So today's topic is going to be something a little bit different. We're going to talk about food and culture and sort of how they connect. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff like comfort food, table manners, how food affects religion and culture, and different kinds of customs or strange customs from around the world. Now I am super excited about this episode because I myself am a big, big foodie. Now foodie means you just love eating food. Yeah, when I think of foodies, I think of people that not only love to eat food, but they also think about food. Maybe they blog about food,、mm-hmm. they review food, and it's just like a huge part of their lives.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like super popular on social media right now.、Um, oh, I think, pictures of food. Yeah. yeah, pictures of food. We call that food porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like every time. You know, now when we're eating outside,、uh, we're not the first to eat. We take pictures first. So there's a saying is like,、oh, "Your your cell phone is eating the food first." <laughs> That's funny. Is there a Chinese phrase for that? Because I've never heard of that before.、Uh, well, there's not like a phrase, but there's like a sentence for it. So, 机先吃你再吃 Oh, okay,、yeah. that makes sense. It's pretty much the same exact thing as the English.、Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not exactly a foodie. I definitely appreciate good food. And believe me, I definitely love to use my slow cooker to cook some delicious food here and there.、Mm-hmm. But I just feel I'm so busy. I definitely used to appreciate food more before I didn't work、uh, full time and have to try to run a podcast. And I just feel like I'm so busy that I can't be a foodie. Yeah, that happens because you know when you're thinking about what to eat for your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner. Sometimes it takes a lot of time. And before I used to cook my not cooking myself, but I used to cook. Uh, food by myself, and now I just don't have time to do it. So you know, I I, I would just go to Food Panda or Uber Eats because that that would save me a lot of time. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, my American friends will never understand this, but I can literally go out to eat at a restaurant three times a day in Taiwan and still spend less than four or five hundred NT.、Mm-hmm. Whereas if you tried to do that in America. Ah,、uh, you'd be spending over one thousand NT dollars easily,、yeah. maybe up to two. You're gonna be broke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be super broke. Exactly. Okay. Well, I think the perfect place to start with this episode would be something called comfort food.、Mm-hmm. Um, we all know comfort. It means you feel good. It makes you kind of feel warm and cozy,、mm-hmm. like a nice bed or something. And food, of course. So comfort food is typically food from your childhood or food that you grew up with that makes you feel really good, warm, and fuzzy. So when you're having a bad day, maybe you're sick or maybe you're angry. Or maybe you're homesick because you live in a different、uh, country or a different city. You go back to these foods to feel comfortable.、Mm-hmm. Now, comfort food in Chinese is called 疗愈的食物疗愈 because you know it it kind of saves your soul. It makes you feel comfortable, 
and you know it just sort of like remove all your bad feelings so i really really enjoy eating some some comfort food from my childhood and also comfort food that i sort of discovered lately that is very very delicious yeah, that's a good point. I think you can totally um, find new comfort food, you know, mm-hmm. especially in a different country because you're eating a lot of different foods. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, for me, because I lived in Korea for a couple of years, I just love kimchi. And so whenever I eat kimchi, uh, which is pretty often, actually. <laughs> is that the reason why your girlfriend got us, like, Korean pizza yesterday? I don't think so, but it could be. She, I mean, she knows I like my kimchi. So kimchi is actually a comfort food for me now because it reminds me of my time in Korea, which was really fun. And it's delicious and it goes with everything. Mm -hmm. Well, my comfort food, well, when I was younger, my comfort food would be like the chicken soup that my grandma made me or congee. But I think for now, my comfort food would probably be mac and cheese or Indian food. I really love myself some Indian curry. Yeah, Indian curry is really good. But it doesn't. It always makes my stomach feel a little bit bad, mm-hmm. just because it's it's so heavy. It's so heavy inside your stomach. Yeah, it's got a lot of spices, and it's uh, also but spicy. It is delicious. Yeah, it's though. very heavy. Mm-hmm. I I would I would pay the price for that. Yeah, but I will say, I mean, most comfort foods are very reflective of your of your own native culture or mm-hmm. ethnicity, because for instance, I grew up eating a lot of Asian food, like mm-hmm. Vietnamese food, Thai food, but my parents can't cook that food. So for me, it's not something I can just ask my parents, be like, hey, can you guys just uh, cook me some, you know, like neo-romien, some beef noodle soup uh-huh. or something like that? Of course, they can't do that. So mm-hmm. the comfort foods are more like pizza, macaroni and cheese, chicken noodle soup, stuff that's uh, they know more and that's easier to make for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, comfort food could be anything. And it um, I wouldn't say that there is like, um, you know, a concept of, Uh, A country's comfort food, you won't say like America's comfort food is pizza or something. It has something that to do with um, what you really like or what you grow up eating, right? Yeah, although like I said, I think it is very much attached to your own culture just because that's the food you're going to eat more as a kid, right? So Mm -hmm. like in Taiwan, um, I don't think children are going to be raised with their parents cooking them like Italian food. So mm-hmm. most likely their comfort foods are going to be Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. Well, th- that that actually can take us to like this concept of, you know, how immigrants use food to retain their cultural identity. Yeah. So, I mean, if like a lot of immigrants, when they move to different countries, um, they want to retain part of their cultural identity. And one of those one of the ways they can do that is through food. And it's also I mean, if you're not fluent in the other language or you're not really like well versed in that country or you don't have a lot of money. One of the easiest options you can do is to make food and sell it. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of con- a lot of countries really like to have international food. I mean, even here in Taipei, I really love that I can get, you know, Indian food, Thai food, Taiwanese food, American food. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a really good option for immigrants uh, to stay attached to their old culture mm-hmm. and to kind of connect with a new culture. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we can, you know, with this concept, we can look at, uh, so let's take... America, for example, you have your Chinatowns, mm-hmm. you have your Korean towns, you also have like... Yeah, Little Italy, mm-hmm. Chinatowns, 
There's a lot more Korean um, communities popping up because more Koreans have gone to the States and their mm-hmm. food is becoming very popular there. Mm-hmm. So I think this idea actually has um, something to do with the formality of these like different districts. And also in Singapore, because they also have a lot of immigrants, right? They have a lot of Indian people. So they also have like little India. And it's the same thing in Taiwan because we have a lot of foreign workers from Southeast Asia. So we have little, uh, you know, grocery stores or like certain districts or streets where these um, immigrants, they open their shop uh, to sell their food and, and stuff. Yeah. So I guess like the key to take away here is that I think that food is really, really connected to culture, like really connected. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, you shared a little bit about your comfort food, your choices when you think about comfort food. And I guess it's my turn to talk about my comfort food. So uh, my mom is not exactly a good cook, but there is one thing that she cooks really, really well is mian, noodles and soybean paste. Um, you know, it's, it's just very delicious. And she would add some uh, uh, tofu in there, like hard, hard tofu. She would add that in there and she would add some um, like beans, you know, not, not exactly green beans. What are they called? Maoto, edamame beans. Yeah, they're edamame beans. And, um, you know, it's just super delicious. And that is the only dish that she knows, like, how to cook. So that that is um, one of my comfort foods. And also another big comfort food is probably hot pot. Oh, see, I'm not a huge hot pot fan. I do. It's okay. But for me, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. And I just always am making a big mess. But I know for Taiwan, Taiwanese people, they really like hot pot. And sometimes this food is also called shabu shabu mm-hmm. uh, in other countries. Yeah, ja- Japanese um, hot pot, I think they call it shabu shabu. But the, the good thing about hot pot is that it's super easy. All you need is just like, um, uh, you know, a, a broth or you, you, you can even just like uh, uh, buy kimchi cans and you can just like get a pot of water and add your kimchi in there. <laughs> there you go, kimchi hot pot. So um, that's what, what I grew up eating. And, you know, every, every weekend, me and my parents, we would just, you know, be at home and having hot pot for dinner and just watching TV together. So for me, that's like the ultimate comfort food. Okay. Well, that's actually a pretty good bridge into our next section because we're going to be talking about how people eat together mm-hmm. in cultures. And I find that we can start with hot pot here because we already went down that path. But hot pot in Taiwan, it seems like people don't necessarily eat hot pot just for the food. They eat it because it takes a long time to prepare and eat. Mm -hmm. You have to take all the vegetables and meat. You have to cook them yourself in your soup. And then you kind of keep eating and cooking at the same time. So people like that experience. It also gives them a time to socialize with their friends and family. Am I right on that? Definitely. Um, Sometimes when we're having sort of like a reunion with your friends from high school or even from junior high school or, you know, at the end of a semester, you want to celebrate your success in one semester. Sometimes we just go for hot pot because it's a great time for all of us because we sit in, uh, you know, like, you know, a, a circle so people can see each other's faces and we can have a good conversation. Okay, yeah. It's definitely a, for foreigners, I think sometimes hot pot is a little bit, they find it to be overrated mm-hmm. because you have to prepare your own food. So you, the, the waitress or waiter, they don't give you a prepared soup. You cook everything yourself. So some people might not like that aspect of it, mm-hmm. but I do find it's a very social experience. And it's definitely, um, 
it is delicious when you actually start eating it and you start mixing all the food together and the different sauces and the garlic and the chives. It's really good. Yeah, and the good thing about hot pot, the one last thing I want to talk about is that you can have real cheap hot pots or you can have gourmet hot pots where they add in, you know, like really expensive meats like Kobe beef or you can just go, you know, anywhere in Taiwan, you can find this Sanma Totogu. Uh, we call it mini hot pots. You can have your own hot mm. pot. You don't even have to eat it with friends. So that is like my ultimate comfort food. And the best part is you always get free ice cream at the end. Yes, free ice cream, <laughs> free popcorn, and sometimes free, free mung bean soup. I've never seen free popcorn. Oh, no, you should come to Yonghe. <laughs> Next time we should have a hot pot together. For sure. And, I mean, there's actually endless hot pot, too. Mm-hmm. I know that's the English word, we have English uh, name for it. We say endless hot pot. So it's kind of expensive. You pay like five, 600 NT, maybe a little more, mm-hmm. but you can eat as much as you want. They have beer, they have soda, they have ice cream, they have cake, and there's just, you can literally order as much hot pot as you can eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to do that a lot, but, you know, after, uh, after turning like 22 or something, I stopped doing that because it's just too much for me. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. You end up, it's like eating at a buffet, basically. You end up so stuffed. You can't even move. You just want to sleep. It's it's like so awesome and so terrible at the same yeah. time. I once like just puked by the, by the streets because <laughs> I ate too much. So oh, man. never doing that again. Okay. Well, there's another kind of communal eating we can talk about that I've experienced as well. Um, well, everyone knows barbecue, right? Shao kao? Shao kao. Well, kao yeah. rou. Or kalro, if you like meat. That's specifically meat, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So there's different kinds of barbecue. So in the U.S., barbecue is really popular, but it's a different style. In the U.S., typically you barbecue outside. Mm-hmm. It, people don't like to barbecue inside as much. Mm-hmm. So they like to get a big grill, cook the burgers, cook the hot dogs, maybe some corn, and then you eat outside. Maybe you drink a couple beers, and it tends to be a very um, social event. You hang out with your friends. You hang out with your family. At least for my friends and family, usually it ends up with someone playing guitar or playing a backdoor sport like bocce. Do you know bocce? No, no. Okay, that's like a really random sport. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> or frisbees, if we yeah, keep we, it simple. Yeah, frisbees. Because usually in in the states, you guys have like a bigger yard. You you guys yeah. have yards, but or or like a garden. But in Taiwan, most people live in apartments. That's true. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that might be part of the reason why Americans do love to barbecue outside. It is sort of that. Uh, you have your experience of your own yard, your own property, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it might have some deeper roots to American culture um, and society. But we like to barbecue outside. That's sort of our thing. But there's also Korean barbecue. Have you experienced Korean barbecue? Oh, yeah. Korean barbecue is uh, one of my favorites. And there's also Japanese barbecue. There's like all types of different barbecues around the world. I would even say baking duck is a type of barbecue. Yeah, actually, I don't know if I had Peking duck. No, you never had Peking duck? Maybe I have. I've had duck. I don't know if it's Peking duck. Well, I, I've never had, like, gourmet Peking duck. I've, I've, I've had, like, uh, roasted ducks, like, just by the streets. You know, they have these, like, little trucks, and then they have these, like, um, you know, ducks hanging there, and they can just uh, give you some bread, and they stir-fry it. That's, like, really cheap stuff, so I sometimes go for that. So there's, like, um, barbecue is just all around the world, but I got to say my favorite type of barbecue is probably American barbecue. Yeah, it's hard to beat American barbecue. I do agree on that. Though Korean barbecue has a special place in my heart because, I don't know, it's just totally different. And, like, for me, it was just a really cool experience to 
learn about a different kind of barbecue. You cook mm-hmm. the meat yourself, kind of like in Taiwan with a hot pot. And you have soju, which is like a type of alcohol with it. But yeah, I mean, American barbecue is like kind of, it's for me, it's a comfort food. Yeah, and there's like pit masters, you know, from the <laughs> South. They just like, they, they, they roast a whole hog and you can hear like, uh, you know, when they bite into the pig, you can hear that crackling noise. I, I, I've never had like a true... Um, you know, southern barbecue, but you know, once once in my lifetime, I'm gonna try that. Well, there's a couple places in Taipei actually that do a pretty good job. Like there's a place called uh, Baba Kevin, Father Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like different so different foods that you might eat in the south would be ribs. Mm-hmm. Um, you might eat pulled pork, mm-hmm. which I really love. You could eat brisket, which is another kind of beef that's really tender. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of different meats that they barbecue, and it is really special. It's quite it's very different from the barbecue that I grew up with because I'm from the northern United States, mm-hmm. closer to Canada. Yeah, I'm right next to Canada. You're basically a Canadian, <laughs> honorary Canadian. <laughs> Let's move on to a section that I'm really excited for, which is going to be strange customs around the world. These are always fun to talk about. Mm-hmm, so. I think the first one that I found really interesting was in Japan. Um, slurping noodles is encouraged because it's a compliment. Sorry, slurping noodles is encouraged because it, it enhances the flavor of the food. So oh, we should it probably, enhances? Supposedly. We should probably talk about what slurping is first, though. Okay, slurping, you want to demonstrate the sound? <laughs> I think you should. I'm like the sound effects guy now. <laughs> All right. So usually you slurp a drink, right? You can't really slurp food unless it's maybe like a noodle or something with liquid in it. Mm -hmm. So you kind of make this kind of gross sound, in my opinion. It's like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that sound. I love that sound. Well, it it says it supposedly enhances the flavor. But from what, you know, we have to learn about Japanese culture a little bit when I was in uh, elementary school in Taiwan or like junior high school. And they said that. Slurping noodles also means, uh, you know, hey, this food is delicious. Your noodles mm. is delicious. So that's like also paying respect to the chef. All right. That makes more sense, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess if I was the chef and people were slurping down my noodles, I would feel pretty honored. I'd be like, wow, they really like my noodles. They loved your that's... food. <laughs> <laughs> They're not afraid to slurp in public. All right. <laughs> because it's so good that I'm going to slurp it. <laughs> How about you? Did you find any of the examples interesting? Uh, okay, well, um, I think, oh yeah, the flipping of fish is superstitiously known to symbolize uh, capsizing a boat. Never a good thing. Now, um, when I was a kid, well, it's not, it's not like I find it interesting. It's just something that I want to talk about because I kind of grew up around that custom. Um, because in Taiwan, we're sort of like an island surrounded by sea, right? Uh, we got a lot of seafood here. We got a lot of fishermen here. So, you know, if you're eating with a fisherman's family, they would ask you, you know, when you're fi- finishing one side of the fish, uh, because in Taiwan, we usually don't fillet our fish. We kind of just eat the fish, um, you know, eat the whole fish. Mm-hmm. So when you're done with one side of the fish, you do not flip it over to get, um, you know, the, the flesh from the other side. You just simply uh, remove the bones. Okay, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So if you do flip the fish, it's sort of like bad luck. You're basically saying a ship is going to capsize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. So we do not flip. Uh, we do not flip the fish. And we sort of just pick up the uh, pick up the fish, the fish bone from the tail, and just remove the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. very very different than the cultures I'm used to. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the next one I found really interesting was actually from the UK, the United Kingdom. 
and they said that teaspoons should never hit the side of a teacup. Because when teaspoons hit the side of a cup, they make this kind of metal ching, 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 ching Bing. sound. Yeah. That kind of sound. <laughs> when you can demonstrate this one. Cling. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually much better than mine. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. And apparently that's kind of like an irritable sound or maybe it shows a little bit of carelessness. Mm-hmm. And also because probably high class like people in the UK were drinking out of very expensive Fine China with their pinkies up. With their pinkies up, yes. <laughs> their their afternoon Earl Grey tea. <laughs> <laughs> so don't knock your teaspoon against your teacup in the UK. But I'm kind of surprised about this one because in movies or like pop cultures, when when someone's giving a toast, you know, at a wedding, they kind of just cling their 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 uh, glasses. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Well, it turns out you're not supposed to, you know. Cling the side of your teacup. But who gives a toast with tea? <laughs> Apparently British people. <laughs> I've never seen a toast with no alcohol. No, I don't know. Maybe um maybe the I probably sound like an alcoholic right now. Yeah, you you do sound like an alcoholic. <laughs> There's like some people don't drink alcohol and they use tea. People don't drink alcohol? <laughs> Joking. Oh my god, you're so cynical. All right. Well, what's the next example you have for us? Uh, well, the, the next example is actually, uh, you know, cheese and seafood cannot, uh, cannot be combined in Italy. It's considered uh, a culinary disaster. Now, I totally agree with that, but I didn't know that it was, um, you know, considered bad in Italy. But, um, you know, I had these uh, scallops, and sometimes when you go to buffets, when you go to these ting, um, they have this, like, creamy sauce on it, and it just makes me feel like I'm, I'm going to get sick. Hmm, interesting. Now, I'm not against cheese on um, seafood because you, you think about a different dish from Japan, like takoyaki. Mm-hmm. Doesn't takoyaki have cheese on it sometimes? Oh, well, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of depends on the food. Now, I guess in Italy, it's a massive faux pas or something you just don't do. What but is faux pas? Faux pas is just like something that's like not, it's not in style, it's not fashionable, or it's not okay to do. It's sort of like culturally taboo. Mm-hmm. Culturally taboo. So it's faux pas to have cheese on seafood in Italy. But in America, there's quite a few dishes that have seafood and cheese combined. Some weird people, I'm going to say weird people because <laughs> I'm not one of them, like seafood pizza. I don't know why or how, but yeah. that's a mix of cheese and seafood. Uh, yesterday when we were ordering pizza, oh, yesterday I was, um, we, uh, me and Steve, we were having a game day at his place and we had pizza for dinner. And then we were like... Uh, I was, like, choosing the flavors with your girlfriend, and she's like, uh, you know, they don't like seafood pizza. Yeah, that's, like, my one rule. I'm like, you can get whatever. I'll eat whatever pizza you order, just as long as there's no seafood on it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like seafood pizza either. I, I prefer um, just uh, pepperoni and cheese. That, to, that to me, is the best, uh, best pizza. It's a very safe combination. So I guess the last custom that I want to talk about is make sure to finish all the food on your plate in Chinese culture. Um, have you ever heard of this before? Yeah, actually, I thought in Chinese culture you weren't supposed to finish the food on your plate, though. Why? Why do you think that? Well, I heard in Chinese culture, if you leave a little bit of food, it shows that you ate enough and that the host satisfied you. So if you don't finish, if you finish all the food, it's like suggesting that you're still hungry and mm-hmm. that you didn't eat enough. Oh, well, that's. That's actually quite interesting because usually if you don't finish your, uh, you know, if you don't finish your food, that would actually suggest that you don't like the food. So if you, you know, 
if you eat the food, if you finish everything, that means you liked it. And, you know, cultural wise is that um, if you don't finish every grain in your every rice, every grain of rice in your bowl, it also means that in the future you're going to find not very pretty wife with uh, a little bit of a messed up face. That's (laughs) (laughs) that's what I heard when I was a kid. So um, it's very important to finish everything in your bowl. Mm. Same in American culture. There's a big emphasis on don't waste food. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 come from America. You're you're lucky already. Just eat the food you're given. Don't waste. Yeah, I think that's like that's a one of the keys of finishing your food because nobody nobody wants to waste food. And if you if you need to waste your food, you can just give it to me, and I'll probably find a way to fit it in my stomach. I'm pretty good at that. Even the food, <laughs> even the foods that you don't like. I'm like the food trash can. No, if it's like seafood pizza. Oh no, if it's seafood pizza, you gotta find a different friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I really like today's episode, but unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. But before we go, we do have some news to tell you guys. We now have Ride the Vibes uh, Facebook group. Yeah, so we're on Facebook now. You can find us at Ride the Vibes. We'll be posting the new episodes, some cool pictures from behind the scenes, and the blog. So be sure to join the. Be sure to join the community. Yeah, um, if you join that group, we'll have uh, you know more time to interact with you guys because Steve is basically always on Facebook. Yeah, I live on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you guys can definitely hit us up with some questions or stuff you'd like to have uh, hear from and hear about in the episodes. Mm-hmm. If you know anyone that'd be a great guest for the show, you're you're more than welcome to tell us about this person. And we're going to be answering fan questions, so this is a good chance for you guys to have a question about anything you want, culture, learning language, anything you choose, we'll answer the question for you, or we'll try. Yeah, we'll try our best. (laughs) Now, besides from our Facebook uh, group, we also have a fan page on Instagram. So uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram, it is at rtvibesvt. We We also post a lot of pictures up there. And we post, um, you know, every episode. When we have a new episode, we will post uh, pictures of our guests. So we opened our uh, Instagram fan page about two weeks ago, and we already got one very good question from one of our listeners, Richard. And he asked tips on how to read long articles. He would like to have, um, he would like to know some of the tips on how to read long articles. So, Mm. Steve... That you got a, any uh, advice? That is a really good question. Um, Richard, thanks for sending us a question, first of all. Um, to answer your question, I assume you mean in a second language, of course. And I have a couple pieces of advice. One, I would say to break it down. Um, if it's a really long article and you're finding it hard to understand, maybe you read it in chunks. Like today you read this chunk, tomorrow you read the next chunk, and break it down to smaller pieces. That way you can eventually understand the whole article. Mm-hmm. And my second piece of advice um, that I personally use as a second language la- learner of Chinese right now is to know your level. So with Chinese, I can't read really long articles because I don't know enough Chinese characters to get through them. But I do try to read articles that are more my level. They challenge me. I need to look up new words, but they're not so hard that I don't want to read them. Because if you read something too hard, you might lose motivation. It might be so challenging that you don't enjoy it, and then you just stop doing it. So make sure you keep enjoying it. And one of the ways you can do that is to find something that's just a little bit challenging, but not too hard, not too easy. 
Mm-hmm. That is a very, very awesome tip. So I, I, I would assume Richard is learning English and you're also learning Chinese. Yes. So it has some similarities. That is a very, very awesome, awesome tip. So just try to break it into chunks. 不要一次把这么长的文章读完，你可以分天读，这样你自己的压力才不会太大，然后也会帮助你这样子可以保有持持续的兴趣啦，你才不会觉得好挫折哦，我读不完。Now before we go, there is one more thing that we want to tell you is that make sure to follow us or sub subscribe us on your favorite podcast platforms because if you do that. You won't be missing a single episode. You don't need to have to keep finding us and trying to look to see if we have a new episode. They'll automatically download to your device.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, on Spotify,、uh, you can just click、uh, a follow button, and on Apple Music, I think it's also follow. So it depends on what kind, what what type of platform you're using. But、uh, whatever is that, make sure you just follow us. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Ride the Vibes. We're glad you enjoyed the episode. We want to take our show around the world to reach new listeners. It would be totally awesome if you would like, share, and subscribe. You can now find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Wherever you are, we'll be there waiting. We're also now on Instagram. Find us at rtvibesbt, and definitely get in contact with us if there's anything you want us to talk about in the future. See you next time, and once again, thanks for listening.